Hello and welcome to this week's look at action and stunts on film and television. The life of a stuntman is often glamorised. We've seen this recently in our look at the new Fall Guy movie and last week's look at the Hollywood Stuntman's Hall of Fame. But often, it's anything but glamorous. Up early to be on set by a particular time, then get many hours of makeup and hair on before sitting around in the cold waiting to get one shot done, before returning to have it all removed, ready for the next day. The glamour only really happens to those who have opportunities to capitalise for the purpose of the project, actors to a point, and the producers and directors. The stunt professionals are a dedicated bunch who just want to get the job done. Listen to the coordinator, do a job well enough for those who need to know not to forget you when they sign up to work on the next must-have blockbuster. Harry Potter was just such a project. Very recently, a documentary has come out looking at the extraordinary short professional life of stuntman David Holmes, called David Holmes, The Boy Who Lived. It's a truly remarkable watch and has, at its heart, a very powerful message. Every once in a while, a documentary comes along regarding a member of a film crew that's been sadly injured on set. And the basis of a documentary like this is to give you an idea about A, how it happened, and B, how their road to recovery went. This documentary dips its toe into some of this, but the message is far greater, and such, that it may change you forever. The Harry Potter movies were incredibly successful at the box office, and then on DVD and Blu-ray. Those sales went through the roof. The story of the boy wizard was Hollywood gold, and continues to deliver with every new incarnation of the books. Making the books into films was an extraordinary task, but with the assistance of many of the world's top filmmakers, the reality was breathtaking. The main characters were children, brought together by Magic, Harry, Hermione, and Ron, perfectly cast, but their roles would involve much more than just turning up on time and learning the lines. The movies were physical challenges, and as such were to be handled by veteran stuntman and coordinator Greg Powell, a man who knows a thing or two about delivering action in big and small budget productions. Here, he gives us a brief background on his life in stunts and how he found David Holmes. My dad got into the business in the 40s, but at that time it was just extras who was given a few extra pounds just to do, take some tumbles. Bouncers or ex-gangsters or whatever they was, you know. And then from there, his brother come into it. And years later, me. Then my brother. Then now my daughter. It's a big family business for us. And I remember one day, I needed a kid to double the kids on um, Lost in Space. So I rang Jeff Hewitt Davis, because he had a gymnastic gym and everything, and 
asked to give me a selection of kids to uh, have a look at. And out of that, you know, I got David. It was something about him, you know. He, he was quite funny because he was in every conversation around the thing. He bomb, he's there looking up at him. Dave, don't do that. You know what I mean? Then the next minute he's over there, Dave, don't do that, you know. Imagine being 14 and walking on a film set, and the film set was like a spaceship. I had to jump and dive away from a pyrotechnic. And I was hooked. That was it. What Greg discovered was that David was enthusiastic beyond belief. Not only that, but extremely capable in any situation. If you could wrap all this up into a product, you'd have a massive success on your hands. David Holmes had this in buckets full. He was not only the perfect choice as the lead Harry Potter double, but also the best person to place with Daniel Radcliffe as not only his stunt double, but his friend. Daniel had done a few bits on film before, but never on this scale, and never as a lead. He was going to need to be surrounded by people he could rely on. And with David by his side, nothing was impossible. I still say to people, if you're ever gonna like end up on set, there are certain departments where you just like, just go hang with them, like they'll be a pretty good time. Like stunts, you're like some of the happiest times in my set have just been like listening to stuntmen tell stories to each other and it is like they're they're amazing people. The joke was always that you drive up to set and there'd be like sports cars with personalized number plates and you're like, okay, this is where the stunt guys are. It was a great team. I was an apprentice, I'd just turned 10 at the time. And I did my first stunt with Dave. Basically, he, he ran up, barred, barged me over. I, I fell onto the floor. He was great. He would just give me genuine advice. Took me under his wing. And that level of guidance from Dave never stopped. If anything, it just got more and more. I remember him telling me to shave. <laughs> you know that stuff that like your, your dad might tell you? He, would, he, he, would, he was like, yeah, I just always want to help. The Neville Longbottom stunt was a prime example of that. Neville, I'm really, really sorry about this. Petrificus totalis. I just said to him, Tolga, what's important is you just keep shape and try and land without breaking the hips and breaking the fall in any way. Everyone was gobsmacked. And I didn't really know what I'd done. I just, I mean, I was hurting, <laughs> obviously. It's so good, he hits it so flat and so square. This is a fall that is now colloquially known in the industry as the Tolga fall. A remarkable fall indeed, performed by stuntman Tolga Kennan, who was another of the team brought in around Daniel. Together with David and Tolga, there was also Mark Maley, who made up the last member of the Four Musketeers. They were solid, they were pals, but most of all, they were family. You always hear actors talk about how their family on set was so important to them, but here this really was the case. A sense of an actual family every time they arrived on set. This gave Daniel a much better environment to work in, knowing that his brothers were with him every step of the way. For Greg Powell, his job wasn't only as stunt coordinator, but as head of the family. He was looked up to by everyone, 
as we hear in this clip. You felt comfortable leaving them guys because that they was they, that was their job. But with this one, it was to me it was different because they was all very, very close. Well done, Danny. Thanks, You're not just looking after an artist, though. You're looking after your pal because that's how they become. It wasn't just you turn up on a film, do your job, and disappear. They, they turned up for nearly 10 years each year with their pals. That was great, but... I remember Greg, you'd always, like, smell him before you'd be like, Greg's here, Greg's nearby, because you could smell a cigar. <laughs> and he was great. Like, he was so fantastic, particularly with the kids. And I think, you know, he got the sense from us as well that we loved it, and that we were like, yeah, we're going to be allowed to just, like, dive off stuff into crash mats. Please let us do that. We're 10, we're invincible. <laughs> We grew up together at the studios. So it was just like, uh, obviously, a very different childhood. But we tried to just be as you know, normal as possible. When they say about a family on a film, it definitely was. And it grew. You know, as the film went on, you know, we got more people in. What was nice about it was that they all grew up together, trained together. They used to play together, probably out the back smoking together, you know, all that sort of stuff going on. And I managed to be able to keep them guys near on 10 years on every film. So, you know, when Dan turned up, you know, David was there, Togel was there, Mark was there. It's the same crew, so you've got confidence in that people where they used to look after them. Greg had seen how good Davey was, was gonna like, be tough on him, but also was just gonna, you know, nurture him. Our relationship quite often went between professional and paternal, you know, I really looked up to him. He's, he's should I say, the, the son I never had, really. I've, I've got two daughters, which is fantastic, you know. Uh, and Dave sort of uh, come in there and, uh, I sort of took that father role of him, and he, I think he used to do the same because some of the phone calls I used to get from him, like, why are you calling me? <laughs> but it was like that, you know. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Until it wasn't. Until it wasn't, yeah. This unit worked smoothly together for 10 years, testing and testing every gag, wire pull and flying sequence to the last detail, making sure that Daniel was safe as could be whilst trying to win a Quidditch game, as David explains. I reckon I've probably got more broomstick air miles than any other human being on the planet, and that will probably be stuck for a few years. I was up there for like six hours a day, just lining up, rehearsing each shot. Strap onto the broom, strap off of the broom. Oh my God, what a nightmare that was. Very, very uncomfortable. There was a bike saddle on a broom, and then if your legs were hanging down, you're just like, it's really quite sore after a while. Here we go. But Dave was up there. My God, Dave was up there so much longer than I was. All right, but it's been a very slow rehearsal. Man. Okay, start the wind. Make the camera movement. Now imagine hours and hours of that against a blue screen. That was my life for years. I was up there doing all the dangerous rehearsals to know what 
Dan was safe to do. January of 2009, more testing, and David is about to use a piece of equipment called a ratchet. Cable attached to the stunt performer, the other end is attached to either a rope pull by other stunt performers, or in this case, compressed air system, which pulls the stunt performer quickly from point A to point B. Depending on the type of movement through the air, that pressure can be added or taken away. You add this pressure 10 pounds at a time. After a few tests, an additional 10 pounds was added, and then again. This time, the pressure was just too much for David, who says that he knew his neck had been broken the moment the ratchet went off, subsequently changing his life forever. The documentary takes a look at David, his family and friends, and shows how an incident like this, something so huge, doesn't have to be the end. Being an incredibly positive person, he thrives on every single second of every day, but that comes with a price. Over time, his body isn't going to be able to do many of the simpler tasks it's been asked to do. David is aware of this and will do whatever he and his amazing team can do to get as much out of his life as he possibly can. It's a story of hope and courage and evidence that life throws many things your way. Some may benefit you and some may stop you in your tracks, but only if you let it. David Holmes doesn't let it stop him. He continues to push boundaries and explore brand new opportunities. It's just that now he does it in a different way. I'm a person that has to move to think. For my brain to be working 100%. Action. I need to be moving, I need to be in motion. I was a great believer in pressure makes diamonds. And the more pressure, the better I was. And honestly, I wasn't really scared that much. You're only living when you're nearly dying. Yeah, man, I used to fly. Not so much anymore. David Holmes, The Boy That Lived, is available to watch on HBO, Sky Documentaries, and now TV. If you watch one thing this year, make sure it's this. That's it from me. Until next time, it's bye for now. <laughs>